You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Musser Masterclass. It's so wonderful to see everyone uh, tonight. I hope that everyone is having as much of a blast with this Musser uh, with this Muster Masterclass as I am. It's uh, really a great, great opportunity to focus on each of our traits uh, one at a time, spend some time. It's not enough time. One week is not enough. So hopefully after this Masterclass, we'll start Masterclass 2, uh, where we'll start focusing on each trait in greater depth because to master a trait completely takes a very, very long time. And if we want to do it properly... It's not enough for just like a one week, you know. I, I mentioned this previously that my great grandfather worked on a single trait to reach perfection in it over two years. And Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, the great founder of the Muslim movement, said that it's easier to finish the entire Talmud than change one trait. So it's a it's a big it's a long process, and I'm looking forward to this journey together. Tonight's topic is a very, very important topic. It's the foundation, really, of all spirituality. All spirituality needs to, is going to be funneled through this trait. This trait is called nikiyut. Nikiyut means cleanliness or pristineliness or purity. It's such an important uh, trait that we're going to talk about. So what does it mean? You know, when we talk about something which is pure, you know, you buy something which is pure olive oil. What does that mean? Pure, 100% pure. That means there's nothing else mixed into it. There's nothing else. It's, it's, it's unadulterated. It's un, it's, un, it's untampered with. Us as spiritual beings living in a physical world, we're sometimes influenced by other, other things. And when we talk about the trait of cleanliness, when we talk about the trait of purity, what we're trying to attain is to have, to be unaffected by other elements that are interrupting or disturbing our own spirituality. So you can also say that it's, it's, it, it's, uh, this trait of nikiyut, of cleanliness is also, uh, you know, innocence. Innocence is also very... I wanted to share with you a story. I shared this in the Talmud, Thinking Talmudist class on Friday a few weeks ago. But I want to share with you an amazing story to just kick this off. So there was a man who was walking his children to school one morning. And this happened recently. I think it was in LA. He was walking his children to school. And when he dropped them off, he noticed that right outside the school, there was this massive billboard. A massive, massive advertisement that was extremely, extremely immodest. And he was thinking to himself, his kid, the kids are going to be leaving the school every day for who knows how long and seeing this trash advertisement right in front of their eyes. And here they go to, to a yeshiva to study Torah, to be holy, to be spiritual, to be pristine. And here they go outside, and the first thing they'll see, he, it just bothered him a lot. This guy's not a rabbi. He's not, you know, some, some holy uh, grandmaster of, of holiness. 
But he, it just bothered him. And he said, I have to do something about this. So he saw the advertising, advertising agency that was listed at the bottom of it. And he calls them up and he says, I see your new ad, uh, advertisement that you just put up today. He says, it, it, how much would it cost for me to take that thing down? I said, well, you never really had such a request ever, but we'll get back to you. They said, you know, this, so they called him back and they said, we have a 90-day contract for this billboard. It'll cost you $90,000 to get this billboard off. So he thinks to himself, he's not a wealthy guy, but he had exactly $90,000 in his savings for his rainy day, for whatever. He said, you know what? I just don't want the kids to see this. I, I just don't. It, it's, you know, it, it's horrifying to think that the children leaving the school, this is what they're going to have to see. So he says, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it for the sake of Hashem. So he calls them up and he says, you got a deal. I'm sending you $90,000. Tell me where to send it to. I want this advertisement down. No problem. So he gets this at day 87 is when his new agreement uh, superseded the other advertisement. And they call him up and they say, okay, we took it down. What do you want up instead? He's like, oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> I didn't think about what I want. You know, I just knew that I didn't want that. I didn't think about it. See, he said, you know what? He said, can you do a counter that every day it says how many days are remaining? Because he was thinking, you know, it's like I'm, I'm doing this for the sake of the holiness of these children, for the sake of, you know, you know just for the sake of Hashem. He says, I want it to be a countdown, 87, 86, 85, every day it should be a, a, a different number. Okay, this caught the attention of, it said, and all it said was 87 days left, 86 days left, 85 days left, and that was it. So it caught the attention of a radio, uh, a radio broadcaster in that city. And uh, he started talking about it. It became a big, a big uh, talk of the town. Everyone's talking about this advertisement. What is it going to be? Who knows what it's for? And they're trying to figure out what that last date is going to be. And everyone's trying to figure out what's going on. And for him, it was just like, for the sake of Hashem, I only have 80 more days that I'm protecting these kids' eyes, 79 more days that I'm protecting these kids. And that's, that's it. He's, and, um, sure enough, this radio, program called them up and they're like ready to hear like what this big revelation is and they said so what are you what are you counting down for he says oh it's a surprise i can't tell you and he really had nothing he had nothing to tell him it's a big surprise so he um eventually gets down to day number 10 9 8 7 days left and he has no idea i mean this is like he 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 spent money that he you know didn't have to waste right this is is this is all he had he gets a phone call from a very big company called Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola says to him, we heard about your countdown and we want to know if we can buy day number one from you. The last day we want to use as a big launch for one of our products. And we'll have fireworks, we'll have, we'll have all these things for day number one. He's like, day number one, it's fine because it's like no more left to his things. Why, why not? <laughs> so they asked, he asked them, how much would you like to pay for that day? They said $3 million. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
And he said, he's done. He's in. So I, I want to I share with you a couple of things. First is, obviously, it's a great story because there's a good ending, right? He, like, he, thank God he was, he was rewarded, slightly, slightly rewarded for his work in this world, for his dedication and commitment. But do you know what 90 days, what merit he gets for 90 days of purity, of cleanliness that he was able to to, to maintain for these children, for these pure little children, that they don't need to see this, this uh, junk. So when we talk about cleanliness in Judaism, we're not only talking about physical cleanliness. We know Judaism focuses a lot on physical cleanliness. We have Nitzilat Yadayim. We wash our hands every morning. We wash our hands before we eat bread. We wash our hands after the restroom. We wash our hands after we have a haircut, after we cut our nails. We wash our hands after being in a cemetery. I mean, we wash our hands. We're, we're, we're a very hygienic, uh, Religion, okay? But it's not only that. The, the Kohanim, before they did service in the temple, they washed their hands constantly. Before they blessed the people, they washed their hands. Uh, it also, we see, uh, there's, there's, we have a mikvah, we clean for Pesach, and we have, we have many different things that are about cleanliness. So Nikiyut is about cleanliness, yes, physically as well. And we also see that a very interesting Talmud, a very odd Talmud, it says that a a Torah scholar that has a stain on his clothes is warranting the death penalty. Now you're like, what? Right? What did he do wrong? All he did was spill some of his soup on his, on his jacket or on his shirt. He has a little stain and he, he warrants the death penalty. So we have to understand what is, what is, what is dirt? By the way, very interesting thing that when COVID hit, and they said to wash your hands and wash your hands and wash your hands. It was like, you know, thank God, because, you know, living a Torah lifestyle, we wash our hands all day. We're always washing our hands. It's a constant, right? Every morning, the second you wake up, you go to the bathroom, you wash your hands. You Before you eat something, you wash your hands. You eat a fruit, you wash your hands. Whatever, you're always washing your hands. It's such an amazing thing how Judaism has this protection embedded uh, within our our, 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 and we should all feel very, very proud that we, we have this Torah that watches over us. But the same thing, we have external cleanliness. We need to have internal cleanliness. And what our sages are really telling us is that a, a, a Torah scholar who doesn't have the proper external cleanliness, it may lead to a little filth in the internal. And that's something that I want to, I want to address. So when we talk about cleanliness, we're talking about physical cleanliness. We're talking about emotional cleanliness. We're talking about financial cleanliness. We'll see what that means in a minute. And we're talking about character cleanliness. All of these, right? So someone who has a bad trait, a trait of anger. Uh, I had a sibling. Uh, I have a sibling, a very, very special, special young man. But he's... Younger than me, not Rabbi Yaakov Olby that you all know. He's great. He's he's, but a different one of our brothers. Uh, had a very very bad temper. I'm talking about. He would get mad. He would throw a chair through the roof. Okay, he would be so mad, right? And that's that's a form of lack of cleanliness. Also, anyone who has a bad trait, we have to identify, it, which is why it's a gateway. It's the gateway to all of our spiritual growth. So my parents, the amazing parents that they are, worked with this child on identifying that anger, working on it, 
And today you'd meet him, you'd think he never got angry in his life. He's the most pleasant, the most calm. It really, it's remarkable to see. It really is remarkable to see. But that's because someone has, someone, a person needs to identify what their, uh, their impurities are and eradicate them. So the first part that we're going to do is identify what is the, what is this dirt or filth or impurity that we have. I'm not going to say filth because that's like a lot, but just a little bit, just a little touch of it. You know, I want to, we talk for a second about, we, we mentioned about financial, uh, financial cleanliness. You know, everyone here has heard of Bernie Madoff. Does anyone think that Bernie Madoff decided one day, I'm going to steal $60 billion? Anybody think he, that that was, that was what was going through his mind? I don't think that ever went through his mind. I don't think he thought for a minute that he was ever going to steal from anyone. But you know where it started from? So how did a person get to, 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 to such unbelievable, uh, you know, you know, wrongdoings? I, I bet that it started with a little bit of, un, of, the, of that lack of cleanliness. Where, you know, I'll round off my taxes a little bit. You know, just $60 and then $600 and then $6,000 and then $60,000. Before you know it, it's $60 billion. It's just a little bit. Because when a person allows that dirt, it builds more dirt on top of it. And it builds more impurity on top and on top and on top till we can't even identify where that, where that impurity started from. On the other hand, I want to share with you a story about a very, very righteous man, Reb Aaron Cutler. The head of the Mir Yeshiva, of, of the Lakewood Yeshiva, the founder of the second largest yeshiva in the world, in Lakewood, New Jersey. When they put together the yeshiva, they got their, their nonprofit status and they started sending out letters to thank their, so they were doing, they would, they, they had on the envelope, the outside envelope, they had a picture of the building of the yeshiva. And, when they showed the proof to the rabbi before they ran the print of all those envelopes, the rabbi looked at it and he says, what is this? They said, what do you mean? That, that's the building of the yeshiva. You don't recognize that's the yeshiva building. He says, no. He says, those trees that you put in the front, they don't exist. They're not there. They said, yeah, we just put it there to make it look beautiful. He says, but that's not true. Take it off. Take it off. Right? And he was so careful not to have one ounce of, of, of impurity. Not an ounce of an impurity. And I can bet you that it's because of that sensitivity to making sure that there was, it was absolute pristine behavior in everything that went on there. That he, it was so, that it is so successful. To be so cautious with every single Stroke of a pen. It, it's, it's really remarkable. We have many times that the Torah tells us about, about cleanliness. For example, your camp should be holy. What does that mean? What do you mean your camp should be holy? If you're holy, you're holy. If you're not holy, you're not holy. Well, you have to limit yourself from exposure. You have to limit yourself from influence. We've said this many times over the years that you are the gateway of your environment. 
If you allow yourself to be influenced by your environment, you're the gatekeeper. If, you know, we, we all know there are certain things that, you know, movies today, they're rated. They have a ratings. They have a rating for children, for 13-year-olds, for 17-year-olds, right? The truth is that there shouldn't be any ratings. Because is an adult less susceptible to impurity than a child is? Our spiritual, our spiritual um, sensitivity shouldn't be any less than a child's. If it's something which is inappropriate, it should be inappropriate for anyone. If it's something which is appropriate, it should be appropriate for everyone. But the problem is that we, we, you know, we say to us, it's okay if you're over a certain age, it's okay. Right? If it's not, right? I'll, I'll give you an example. Violence. Violence doesn't do good for anyone. Seeing violence makes you tolerate violence. So if someone starts tolerating violence, they're just, they'll just be okay with it. I'm okay with it. It's fine because you see the boxing match on, on a Saturday night and it's entertaining, right? And, now it's just okay for me to see people fighting. Now I'm not saying that fighting as a sport is is not. I'm just the idea that if this is something I personally don't like watching violence. Ever, I can't. I can't see it. I don't like it. I know it's a sport. I just can't see someone punching the other guy's face, you know, till it's it's like you know triple the. I just can't. I I can't stomach it. But perhaps. If this is something we wouldn't want our children to watch, and it's for me a barometer for myself. If this is something I don't want my children to watch, then I probably shouldn't be watching it. Right? If it's not sensitive enough for their eyes, it's probably not sensitive for my eyes. So the outside of a person, the way we dress, right, the way we carry ourselves with cleanliness reflects on the inside of the person. And if the person inside is careful, then they'll be careful on the outside. If the person is not careful, then it, it, that's why the Talmud says that he's warranting a death penalty. Now, there's no rabbi who's ever stoned to death because he wore had a stone. He had a stain on it on his on his shirt. So this is a, you know, don't get scared, right? And if your rabbi ever has a stain, just tell him to close his jacket a little bit more, right? That's speaking to me, right? If you, if I ever have a stain, please just to bring it to my attention. No, but I I, I try to make sure it's happened many times where I was about to leave the house in the morning and my coffee spilled on my shirt and I'll go and I'll change my shirt. I'm like, it's not a big deal. It's like, you know, you have to, you have to, right? You have to respect the people you're teaching Torah to also, the Torah that you teach. You have to have a proper respect for that as well. You know, the, the, there's, there's a story that's told. So we said that you're, a gate, you're the gatekeeper of your environment. We're all exposed to things. You know, the Jewish people needed to be in the desert for 40 years. Why? Because they had a mentality. When they left Egypt, they had a mentality of slave, slavehood. Right? That's what they lived with for 210 years. They had to cleanse themselves of that way of thinking, for that way of living as slaves, and become now a free people, a new people. And it was the next generation that entered the land of Israel. Because what, what did they do already? They were slaves. But they absorbed the mentality of Egypt. 
They absorbed the way of thinking of Egypt. And they needed to depart from that. We are influenced by our environment. I'll just tell you, now this is not, I'm not saying, this is my own thing, okay? It's my own thing. I've mentioned this previously, but my rabbi sent us an email and he said to us that any of my students who don't have a protection on the internet, like basically don't, don't be, don't, don't talk to me. (laughs) Don't talk to me. Why? I mean, don't talk to me. Because as as a rabbi, one of the things you should care about, we're all rabbis, right? You graduated from this yeshiva of rabbis, right? One of the things we should be sensitive to is our own spirituality. That means to protect, to ensure that God forbid there isn't something that by mistake happens. Not that God forbid he doesn't trust that people won't intentionally do something wrong or go to see something that's inappropriate. That's not the, the, but by mistake things can happen. Make an extra protective measure. Just to, for a person to have that own, their own sensitivity towards it. We're all, we're all influenced by our environment. And Rabbi Kiva Eger, I believe it was Rabbi Kiva Eger, one of the great rabbis, a couple of centuries ago, a couple, a couple, a couple of uh, generations ago, they say that his mother, when he was a little infant, would take him to the study hall as an infant to hear the words of Torah being learned. She would just take a stroller and put it into the study hall so that he should hear the words of Torah being, so that that becomes his environment. Ended up becoming one of the greatest leaders of his time. But we're influenced by our environment. I had a friend of mine, he retired, and he told, I said to him, so what are you doing now with your time? He says, well, I'm doing, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to art. I'm going to art appreciation. Uh, you know, we're going to all these art seminars and all these art things. So I said to him, what's with you and art? Do you, you, do you collect art? He says, no. He says, but all my friends are busy with art. So I want to be able to communicate with them. And it's like, that's a classic example. It's like, if that's what they're interested in, so I have to be interested if I want to be friends with them, you know, and, with our children, that's the same thing, by the way. Our children are, are, are influenced by our environment. I'll share with you in my own story. Um, if my brother's online here, he probably doesn't even know the story. But um, it's, it's really, it's, it's, I think it's an amazing story because it teaches how important the environment is to our children. So when I was about 10 years old, I lived in Brooklyn at the time. And um, it was 1988, and I got into a fight with my brother. And a little fight. As a 10-year-old, where my brother was 11 years old, he's a year old, a year and a half older than me, and uh, we got into a fight, whatever the, whatever kids fight about. You know, you took my toy, uh, you know, whatever it was, you know. So I apparently, allegedly, used a word that should not be used by a, an innocent little Jewish child. And to express my anger and disappointment with my brother. So my uh, my mother heard that. And my mother's like, <clears throat> you know, go to your room. Go to your room. I go to her. My father comes home. She says, wait till your father gets home, right? My father gets home. And my father, being the master of education that he is, uh, he, didn't, he didn't whip me. And he didn't punish me. 
he sat me lovingly on his lap. And he said to me, I heard what happened. And I heard you used an unchoice word. Um, he said, I want to know, the only thing I want to know is where did you learn that word from? To which I took my hand, my finger, and I pointed across the street. We lived across from the public school. And that public school, I had many friends who were African-American, Puerto Rican, Italian. Like, you know, this is, this is a, the 10-year-old friends that I had. And when they missed a basket, they used one of those unchoice words. And when they struck out, they used one of those words. So what happens to a little Jewish boy who hangs around them? He uses those words as well. It was a couple of months later that my parents moved to upstate New York. And my grandfather, upon repeating the story to me, many years, he didn't know that it was actually me, I think. I don't think he would have, he would have told me this. But my grandfather said, that's a good educator. Is it the kid's fault that he was put in an environment that that's the way they speak? It's not the kid's fault. He gets influenced by his environment. We all get influenced by our environment. If the environment isn't good, you got to take him to a different environment. You got to take him to an environment where he's not going to be influenced negatively. That's the same with everything that we have around us. If television isn't a good influence for our child, perhaps that's not a right thing to do. If a certain movie or a certain book is not a good influence on our child, perhaps it's... And I think it's important to comment upon the parents to be cognizant of the influences that are around our children and around ourselves. So we may know something is wrong, but when we're tempted, we may not withstand that challenge to overcome our desires because we may lack that, that purity, that, you know, that pristineliness. So if a person is accustomed to certain things, we can suddenly fall into a trap of that lack of cleanliness spiritually because we've become desensitized to it. And it's become a norm, a norm for us. It says, Niki chapaim uvar We should be clean. We should clean our, you know, you, you look, at, look at your palm, right? Should be clean. That's the way our way of living should be. We should live that we say it's, we're clean. We don't get into a situation which, which could be sticky, which could have a, a negative impact. You see an example of this was Abraham. Abraham, when he purchased the field to bury his wife Sarah, he used the trait of cleanliness. Right? They said, oh, you can have it as a gift. He says, no, 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 I want to pay for it. Why do you want to pay for it? Because he doesn't want there to be any confusion. He doesn't want there to be any source of conflict. He doesn't want there to be anything which could be confusing. So then they give him this exorbitant price and he pays for it. He doesn't negotiate even. You think a nice Jewish guy, he'd negotiate a 400, 300, okay, 350. You know, it's like you'd, you'd have some negotiation. No, 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 no negotiation. He said 400 gold coins, 400 gold coins. Why? He wants it to be glot kosher, perfect. Without any questions, without any doubts. That's called cleanliness. 
You know, the, the halacha says a very, a very amazing thing. The halacha says that if someone is the gabai, you know what the gabai is, the person who collects the charity in the synagogue. So in every synagogue, you have that one designated guy. He goes around with the pushka. He goes around with the, with the charity box. And he, he gives everybody the opportunity to give charity. And they give charity to the, usually goes to the congregation. And sometimes that charity is used to give money to the poor people. Sometimes that charity is used to, to other other causes that are need, needed in the community. But usually that person who collects the money holds on to it and he distributes it appropriately. So the Talmud says that he should be that individual should be very, very careful to keep his personal money completely separate from the charity money. Completely separate. Why? Because someone's going to meet you in the marketplace and someone's going to say, oh, you know, can I borrow money? You just pull out, you know, the, the dollars that you just collected from charity and it could get all confused. It could... You need to be clean. You need to make sure. I want to share with you an amazing story. My grandfather of blessed memory during the Holocaust was uh, in a neutral country of Sweden. And he was transferring, he was getting money from Jews in the United States to save cities and villages of Jews. And they would pay the authorities to release these Jewish people and get them out. They would go to England, go to the United States, they'd get, get all these visas to get out. They needed to, to, to do whatever bribes to save lives from going to the death camps. So my grandfather at that time was dealing with abject poverty himself for nine years. Poverty like you can't imagine. They have food to eat. And yet he was getting these wires of money in the tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And after the war, he gave over a note to one of the great rabbis in New York who was transferring that money to him that had an accounting for every penny that he received. Didn't keep a penny for himself. And it was, it's, it's, it, it would, I'm sure it was, it would be easy and probably convenient for him to say, you know what, it's like I'm doing a service, they should pay me a fee or something. No, no, no. Not a penny. And you'll be able to excuse it. You'll be able to say, you know, I have, he has a rationale for it. Not a penny. Every single dime that he received was transferred and he had it exactly by the date, the exact recipient, exactly to the penny. Cleanliness, pristineliness. So we talked about physical cleanliness. A person has to ensure that they keep themselves physically clean. We see in, 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 in Judaism, it's very hard. It's very hard to be dirty. You have to clean yourself. In fact, there's a special commandment, right? A special mitzvah to prepare oneself for Shabbos by taking a hot shower, right? You may not be able to have a hot shower every day of the week, right? I know there's someone here from Duluth, Minnesota, right? Right? It's freezing cold. I'm sure you're not always able to have hot water or you have to wait a half hour till it gets hot, right? For Shabbos, you have to, you have to have white, you should be clean. You should be fresh. You should be, that's in honor of Shabbos. But all, you know, as part of, 
as part of being a vessel of spirituality, you have to see that our soul is being maintained in our physical body. Our spiritual soul is being maintained by our physical body. It's being sustained. We have to make sure that that pristine soul has a a pristine vessel within which it's being carried around. Okay? So then we said about, okay, emotional cleanliness. It's important. It's important for a person to, um, to be healthy emotionally. And if you know someone or if you yourself, anyone, uh, is dealing with, um, any type of emotional, uh, challenge, I highly recommend you find someone reliable, someone who's a professional, someone who's loving and caring, who you can talk to. It's important. And I, this is something that I think in our generation needs to be stressed more and more when we talk about these. You know, we're living in a challenging world. We're living with many things being thrown our way. We can be, we can get caught up in things. We can get, we can get derailed from our path. Right? As a rabbi, I've spoken to people and I always tell them I'm not a licensed therapist. I can't, you know, same thing is with a marriage. We need to make sure that the marriage is, has its cleanliness, meaning cleanliness in the relationship. There should be a transparency. But then we talked about financial. And now the last one is character. Character. Cleanliness of character is something which is so important because it's so easy for a person to live through life and not notice a blemish in their character. We have to identify that blemish and at least I think step number one is identify it. Step number two is to to figure out a strategy for eradicating it. And we know it takes a long process. It's not a one day one day fix it. But but it's a it's a a first step identify it. Yeah, I have an anger issue. My second thing is how am I going to overcome it? Okay. But it's a, it's a, it's it's already a step. It's already a step. Right? And we're going to talk about this when we talk about anger, when we get to the negative traits. We're going to talk about how to overcome those traits and how to at least avoid triggers avoid getting into a situation where we can get angry if we know that there is a specific something that triggers us avoid it avoid it at all cost or at least prepare yourself for it i think part of our spiritual cleanliness needs to be honesty and we need to call a spade a spade and we need to we need to make for ourselves what is the right and what is the wrong? In our generation, in 2022, we are dealing with a world of a lot of confusion. Where even if you know something is right, you may not be able to say it. If you feel a certain way, you might lose your job by expressing it. So we have to be very, very careful to make sure that we know what is right and what is wrong for ourselves. Make a list. What is good? What is bad? What is good? 
and then make sure that we're living with what is that what is that right that we believe in what is that good that we believe in what is that wrong and what is that bad and make sure that we're you know if you decide that anger is a good thing okay so maybe you know we can talk about it <laughs> but but if if you decide that anger is a bad thing okay so now at least i have to know am i am i stuck with that if I, if i'm in that category now i can work on it you see, it's much better to know where you are and know that you're in the mud than say, I'm not in the mud at all. Influences are so important for us to identify the influences around us. The more one learns Torah, the more one becomes hopefully sensitive to the influences around them. They notice. They notice when things are right and and we have to strategize and find a way to protect ourselves we have to find a way to protect ourselves from those negative influences it's extremely important so we have to know what is good what is pure what is clean what is good for your own spiritual growth what is good for my own spiritual growth Going certain places, could that be bad for me? Could it be good for me? And calculate it by that. Is this going to be a, a positive influence or a negative? And then to start a cleanse process, to remove the stains. You know, if you have a stain in your clothes, you want to clean it off. Okay, so what do we need to do if, God forbid, we were influenced in a negative way by whatever it is? By the way, I'll give you an example of a very innocuous stain. Did you ever, did anyone here, okay, or online, did you ever see something which was a new fashion item that you said, that is the ugliest thing I've ever seen before? Oh, yeah. Right? You're just like, how does anyone wear that? And then we see ourselves a year later wearing that. Right? We were like, why? Because it became the fashion and this is what everyone wears. So now I just go with it because I want to be fashionable maybe. So I'll just wear it, right? But one second, the same me a year ago said that this was not something, right? Now, this is not, it's, that's not bad. It's not evil. It's not, but it just shows how we get influenced by our environment. We get influenced by our environment. And because our entire environment and everyone does it, so that means I should do it. Well, if it's against your core values and or the values of the Torah or the values that we learn in our Musa study, so someone says to be angry, does that mean that I should be angry because everyone does it? If someone says, oh, it's okay. You know you know the justification people make for stealing? What do you mean? <laughs> that money would have just been sitting in the bank and I just made use of it. You know, it's like it's a mitzvah almost, right? No, don't, con don't convince yourself that, that it's, you know, that the bad is good. And people could, people can do this. I have to be careful because there's a lawyer in the room. I'm afraid of him, right? So we have okay, to. You got oh, you got lawyer. two lawyers, yeah. So, so, but, but, but we have to. We have to realize what is good and what is bad, and at least come to to clear terms of what is a good influence, what is a bad influence, and find ways. If we see that there is a bad influence in our lives, how do we cleanse ourselves from it? Careful about the small things. Right? Not paying taxes that we're required to pay is theft like any other theft. Would you walk into someone's house and steal their 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 glassware? 
a, a, a silver knife and just put it in your pocket? No, of course not. So why would we cheat, God forbid, right? Even if it's just a dollar, it's the same. It could potentially be, you know, a a gateway to a whole a whole uh, career of 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 that. You know, we have to be very careful. Cleanliness means spiritual sensitivity. That's my definition for it. It cleanliness doesn't mean that that I completely it means we to become sensitive to it, spiritually sensitive to influences. Okay, and I know you're going to have questions, and I want the questions because it's important. We have to we have to make sure that it be, that it's that it's it says like this. It says the Talmud says that the majority of sin is theft. The majority of sin is theft. The fewest are adultery, and everyone commits lashon hara. Everyone speaks slander, but it, it's. I don't consider myself to be someone who speaks slander, but the Talmud says, yeah. If you think about it, it might be something that that you, you right, and it's it's something to to realize with sensitivity. We learn one second. Maybe I shouldn't have spoken. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I shouldn't have opened my mouth. Maybe I was just you know I just wanted that recognition. That's why I said it. I said it so that all my friends will laugh on someone else's account. Maybe I wasn't I wasn't proper in my in my conduct. That's that's where we where we want to be careful. Removing all questions, suspicions, doubts, even in small things. So if you're going to do something which could be seen as being something which someone can 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 translate as being inappropriate, you need to take extra precaution to ensure that we stay away from that. We see this many times in, in halacha, that a person has to take an extra measure to avoid suspicion. Crossing our T's and dotting our I's and making sure that we're doing things that are above board. Doing things in, in every area. You know, in every organization, there is, in every company, you have to have, you know, not only the tax filings and all of those things you do for the government, but within your own organization, there has to be some, some, uh, some checks and balances. You have a, at least here as a nonprofit, we have a, a, an oversight of a board that they see every dollar that comes in and every dollar that comes out to make sure that there's no, there's no, uh, freedom for anyone to just do whatever they want. It's very important that there be that oversight so that if someone, God forbid, is to say something, you say, listen, Everything is reviewed. Everything is looked at. Everything is analyzed. Everything is ensured that we're doing it in the proper ethical, in the proper proper fashion. We need to be extra cautious not to leave questions um, around us or our deeds. So if if you do something, it sometimes is worthwhile to explain why it is you're doing things so people don't have questions. And it's like sometimes we don't we don't even realize what questions people might have. I've had over the years. Many, many questions that people that I noticed like people would like, you know, thank God we've had the the privilege of, you know, having many, many people around us, uh, my wife and and my family, uh, for Shabbos dinners and for holiday meals and for classes. And sometimes I could say something, and if someone wouldn't ask me for a clarification, they can walk around thinking that I'm a crazy person. And some of you tonight may say, something's wrong with this guy, right? So I, I ask you for that, for the sake of the cleanliness and pristine uh, uh, way of living, hopefully, that if anyone has a question, that you ask the question, you don't make assumptions 
and I'm I'm asking for, for this favor. It's obvious that we need to remain clear of big sins. Right. I'm not talking, I'm talking like Enron, right? And it's like things like that. You wonder like, oh, me, stay, stay clear of that. But how do we ensure that it doesn't happen to us? We start with the little things. It's those little things that we have to look around. And we're going to, we're talking about these traits. We, you know, soon we're going to get to, we're going to get to, to more of our character traits. And we're going to, I want, soon we'll talk about our negative traits. It's, it, it gets, you know, people get, you know, a little, it's, it's, I don't know why, but by nature, it's easier for people to, to hit themselves on their negative traits than, uh, reinforce themselves and feel good about their positive traits. Like, when are we going to talk about anger? When, when are we going to talk about, it's okay. First is we don't need to rush. The first thing we need to do is identify our positive traits. But if we have something that's blocking us from those positive traits, then we need to, See, what is it that's blocking me? What's stopping me? What is that perhaps? What has become a norm to me? What exposure has, have I had that's limiting my ability to succeed spiritually? And there's, there is a, 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 an incredible, you know, I would say like this. The goal is to uproot from the heart the desires that lead us astray. That's the goal. We have all desires, temptations, things that, that lead us astray so that they can no longer have any power over us. If we're able to identify what are those things that are limiting us, they have control over us. And that could, by the way, be, again, even, even something like sports. Sports is great. It's a great outlet. I love sports. I love playing sports. I love watching sports. But if sports is something where somebody can't function without it, I got to watch this game. And anyone who interrupts me from watching this game, we've all seen those people like they, they get so mad and they get so worked up because their team lost, you know, or they, or they, uh, they, they smash their TV because their team lost the, the soccer match or whatever it is. That's a problem. That's a big problem. It means it takes over their life. It takes over. This is a very delicate trait. It's a delicate trait for us to realize what are the pitfalls from keeping me a happy person all day, every day. And what are the things that are perhaps blocking me from my own spiritual growth? It's, it's, a, it's a very, very big topic, and I'm sure there are many questions out there which I'd love to address. So we'll open it now for questions. If there's any questions uh, here in the room live or online, you can unmute your microphones and I want to hear your questions. So again, that could be any type of influence. Right? Today we're living in a world where we have influencers. Right? These influencers, are, are those the influences we want? If those are the influences we want, then, then you know, I, I'd sign up to more Rabbi Yaakov Walby podcasts. Those are great influences and they fill your life with Torah and they infuse you with spirituality and knowledge and, and wisdom, right? That's a great influence. If a person is, is listen, even listening to something, going places, watching things that are a negative influence, the best thing to do is to distance yourself from it. That's the first thing, but you need to identify what is it. If we don't even stop to think, and that's the problem with most of the world, nobody wants to stop and think. Nobody wants to even look and, and calculate whether or not something is or isn't 
a good influence or any influence. They don't want to think about it. Leave me alone. I'm happy with my life or miserable with my life, but I'm content with it and leave me alone. And that's really the goal of this trade is to stop and say, okay, one second. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Is this a positive or a negative? And if it's a negative, and if it even has a little bit of negativity, how do I remove that little bit of negativity? Okay, so yeah, definitely. Definitely there's a lot to talk about. I, I think it would be best if we address it when we talk about anger. If it's something that's that's urgent to be discussed, I'll be happy to talk to you offline about it. Uh, the general the general idea is we have to identify what triggers it and uh, what triggers the anger. And uh, once you're able to tri- if, if, to identify that, you can do one of two things. You learn how to prepare for it so that you can react differently. So for example, if someone says something to you that triggers you, everyone has something that, that annoys them. But imagine if I were to say um, a word, any word that triggers you and gets you angry. So for example, okay, my, my, my little baby daughter got annoyed that her older sister was teasing her and saying the word scrumptious. And every time, I don't know why, she says, you're scrumptious. And she would yell and she would have this, this, this reaction of like, like you're demeaning me and you're, you're insulting me. And it was just, it was funny to see it, but, but it was a trigger. So what I would do with that child, if that, if that, um, kept on, kept on happening is I would teach her to react differently to that word. I would say, look, you know, take her out of the situation where it's impulsive and she just reacts and, you know, expose her to that word in a way till it becomes almost desensitized from it and it doesn't bother her because she's practiced. So, for example, if uh, I had this once with one of my children where they were getting bullied in school, one of the kids was calling them, let's, I don't remember what it was, but let's say they said to them, uh, hey, shorty, right? And it would get, you know, and they'd, they'd, they'd get very defensive and it, it could, it can get them angry or whatever. So I would say, okay, this is what they said. I said, but are you a shorty? Right. Let, even if they are, which they weren't, but let's say they were. I said, let me, let me say it to you and you'll see that my words don't necessarily have any, any impact on you. Because look, I can say it a hundred times and it's not going to bother you. Okay, and you can say shorty, 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 shorty. Eventually, it becomes something which they they're almost desensitized from. Okay, so that that would be one thing. Now, someone who gets angry about a lot of things, so they have other other thing other other ways to to work on that. There's one other thing that I would say is that to avoid getting into situations where you know there's going to be that trigger. So either prepare for it or avoid it. Or both, right? So I remember my rabbi once said that he would get irate. Uh, I think I mentioned this previously about uh, the cabs in Israel. Right? I think I mentioned this in one of the previous classes, yeah, right? And um, he'd get, he'd get, you know, because you'd walk into the cab and they'd say that it would cost you twenty shekel to go one place, and by the time you're there, they'd mark it up to 40 shekel because they realize you're American, right? And as American, you have more money and your money deserves to be by me because I'm Israeli, right? And you get, get very, very frustrating and, and get angry unless before you walked in, you prepared yourself. So you can prepare yourself for a situation uh, so you don't have the same result as you had last time in with anger. Uh, but offline, I'll be happy to address this uh, more more, more in, in detail. We're not talking about going crazy. We're talking about identifying 
uh, is any specific area where we want to improve, we have to see what the influences are. Okay, we have to identify the influences. We are influenced by our environment constantly. From the day you were born, you've been in, we were influenced by our parents, we're influenced by our neighbors, by our friends. And what we need to just examine is whether or not those influences are the good influences we want to keep or the bad influences that we want to eradicate. That's the, that's the job of this trait right now is just to identify. And then when we find something that we want to maintain, great. Well, something that we want to remove. So is there something I can do right now to distance myself from those negative influences? That's what we're saying. We're not saying that we, now we have to start examining every single, eventually, maybe that would be a good idea. But right now, it's just one small step. You have your, your worksheets in front of you. Um, it's, it's a good idea to, this week to just mark the things, mark the areas in life that you feel are a positive influence and things that perhaps could be a negative influence and also things that you feel in your own, in your own day to day life, things that you may be doing that you would like to have them removed from your life. And then God willing, put together a strategy of those things that you want to remove of how through very, very, very small microscopic steps to, uh, to remove them. I would even go as far as to say, make a list of the things that you consider good and things you consider bad. And then, and then put yourself into it. And where am I with these, with these traits, right? Let's say, is truth good or is truth, right? Or is, or is truth bad? Well, truth is good. Well, am I a hundred percent on the truth side? Where am I not truthful? Where are my triggers? Where are the areas that need more work to make sure that I'm 1,000% truthful, even in the situations that are uncomfortable, unpleasant, uh, you know, where uh, I'm in front of certain people, to, to really pinpoint, even if it's only on one trait, cleanliness in that trait. Right. So that's true. When you do see an injustice, you should, you should get upset. I mean, it's a difference. You got to be careful with anger. Anger is a very, is a very delicate trait. And we have to be very careful because we should never be in the habit of getting angry. A person should never be in the habit of getting angry. Anger is a very, anger is when it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't, we shouldn't identify something and know that it's wrong. And you should make it clear. Right? When, when someone does something wrong, I try to point it out to my children to explain to them so they understand right from wrong. And for ourselves as well, we have to reiterate to ourselves what is right, what is wrong, what is right, what is wrong. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Thank you. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.